You're listening to the Yoga Inspiration Podcast with me, your host, Kino McGregor. I created this series to keep you inspired to get on the mat every day so that you can practice yoga and change your world, starting from the inside out, one breath at a time. Thanks so much for listening. Your support means everything to me. Hey everyone, it's Kino here. Welcome to the Yoga Inspiration podcast and video series. I'm super excited to bring you this episode where I interview Sky, a local student here in Miami and the student model for my new book called Get Your Yoga On and its accompanying video series. What's really cool about this new book project is that the whole idea is to take 30 traditional yoga poses and present them in a way so that the practice is truly accessible for all different sizes, shapes, and ages of practice. This is also the first book and video series where I've asked different students to participate to demonstrate the postures. Representation is so important in establishing a connection of faith and a sense of general belief that says in your heart, hey, I can do this too. When you see someone that you can relate to directly and personally doing the practice of yoga, that makes it seem just that much more accessible for you. I remember when I first started practicing, there was no one that I could identify with and it made it seem like the poses would be impossible for me. There was not a guideline for how to modify the postures according to what my body was going through each day, and I found that really intimidating. So the whole purpose of the Get Your Yoga On book and video series is to take down the barrier to practice so that no matter where you are in your journey, there's always a friend, that you can meet on the mat. And of course that friend is you, your own heart, your own spirit that you connect with. And in this teaching, you'll find the tools that truly make the practice accessible for you. It's so important to understand that we all come to the practice from different perspectives, different life experiences, and we sit at the intersection of so many different factors in our lives. The more we see a diversity of people practicing yoga of different sizes, shapes, ethnicities, and ages, the more likely it seems that we'll be able to make this a practice for our whole lifetime. If you only see young, fit, flexible people of a particular demographic that's almost often from the dominant cultural group, then it feels like yoga is exclusionary or a class of privilege. Far from that, the truth of yoga is about inclusivity, about a personal revolution that's available for everyone who has the desire to get on the mat and make their world a happier, more peaceful place. And I don't know about you, but I feel like that desire for more peace, more happiness, more love is intrinsic to the human spirit itself. I hope you'll take a little bit of inspiration from Sky's student story and let it inspire your practice. And even more so, I hope you'll join me in going on the journey of the Get Your Yoga On series so that you can take this practice out into the world 
and share it with as many people as possible. Hi everyone, I'm here with Skye, who's an artist from Miami. He's been practicing yoga for about two to three years. Hi Skye. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining. <laughs> so you started off your yoga journey relatively recently. Yeah. What was the reason that you decided to start yoga? Um, I would say because my brother, like he's been a big inspiration and I would notice like some of his habits and things he'd be getting into. And like, he's always been into like skateboarding or like biking. And then one day he came to me saying, hey, I want to try this thing out. And I'm like, sure, what is that? He's like, yoga. And I'm like, okay, so breathing, just sitting down, what are we doing? And he was like, oh, don't worry about it. Just bring a mat, bring a water bottle, bring two if need be. <laughs> and so we went to a class and it was life-changing to say the least. It was something that, A, made me breathe the hardest I've ever had to do in a long time. And it was the most rewarding towards the end because it was something that like, it felt like something to overcome and it's something that felt like an inner challenge for myself. Not like I'm going against anybody else, just something that was like, huh, I'm being the best thing I could, I could do at my level type of like journey. I know this. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Did you have any background in athletics before you came to yoga? Plenty. Mm -hmm. Before that, I did soccer, football, track and field wrestling, you name it. I was doing everything from like high school to collegiate level. Now, do you think that yoga is equally or just a different type of challenge than all the athletics that you've done in the past? Equal. Yeah. In a lot of senses. It's when you put in what you get out of it in the sense of every other like sport. I think what I like about it is the repetition of understanding your movements, things that you can learn from with each kind of like micro adjustments. And then overall, like the control. Like I notice a lot with yoga, it's a lot of controlling your breathing and understanding your movement, posture, just like a control-based kind of format, which I like about it. Because with running, there's form and how you move and stuff like that. And like certain wrestling, there's certain tricks that you can do. But in yoga, there's no real tricks. It's just understanding your body and working with it to get the right outcome out of it. Not necessarily changing or like gaming the system. You are the system. You need to work the best way within yourself to get the best results. There are so many people in the world that identify with sports. Like they feel like I'm, I like running, I like weightlifting or soccer or all sorts of sports. And they may think yoga is not for them. What do you have to say to those people? It's for everybody, <laughs> literally. Like at any level and anything that any injury that you may have overcome, a lot of my friends and I were stopped with every sport that we were doing with any injury, maybe back, knee, ankle, whatever it may be. What I liked about yoga, especially that as an introduction to me was something that you could work around it. It didn't stop you. It wasn't saying because you're not fast enough or strong enough, you can do yoga. There's a lot of things that you could do to accommodate yourself and make the best way around it. I think another reason I continue with yoga is because I have a cousin who's a physical therapist and he acknowledges all of the benefits of like how you guide somebody from in recovery phase. And it's the same way, understanding how to learn about body weight distribution, understanding how to breathe and understand how to zone in on what you need to do in order to like recover the best way you can. And that really helped me a lot to understanding the kind of the aspect of yoga, because it's not just a physical thing. It's mm -hmm. a spiritual thing. It's like an all around kind of process. And like that stuck with me. That's the reason why I'm still here to this day with it. How do you find that connection between the physical aspect of yoga and the spiritual journey of yoga? I find it like super challenging, but like also very like not necessarily re rewarding, of course, but it's just 
it's something that takes time in the inner like self because some days it doesn't I don't necessarily feel that spiritual sometimes it's just physically daunting and challenging but certain times if you I notice if I stick with it as much as possible I can really find like a timeless presence while I'm in the class or almost in um what's the relaxation pose towards the end what's oh yeah the final relaxation certain yeah. times I notice like hey I just flowed with it. I just kind of accomplished something. I did something that I felt like my body, entering the class, my body was in pain. And towards the end, I kind of just flowed into like almost like, a, it felt like I was in a river almost. Like I was just mm -hmm. flowing. And I just had to catch myself being like, wow, I'm, I'm here. I'm in this presence. Yeah. I'm in this state of mind. It felt wonderful. And it's something that I, I haven't really found anywhere else. Mm. How has that changed your life? It's in many ways, it's, it changes like how I, interact with friends, family, work. Some days, some days you go to work and it's just like tough on your body. You're sitting in a chair all day, maybe you're moving around with files, looking at a computer. And sometimes it's just nice to like sit in the class, understand like closing your eyes for a second, understanding your breathing. Cause sometimes you're sitting at a desk and you have shallow breathing. And when you're just in class, it kind of makes you realize, hey, stop for a second, breathe properly kind of collect yourself so like when speaking to somebody as well it's sometimes you don't just communicate like randomly or like have like lost train of thought sometimes i'll speak to somebody and i'll be like let me just stop breathe and then really organize my thoughts and then address somebody like i feel the best way i can do it oh Not that's a major life change yeah. yeah so you've talked a lot about the breath and it seems like the breath is a really important aspect to the practice were you this tuned into the breath before yoga? No. <laughs> that's, I think that's one of the biggest takeaways is breathing. Like I've noticed even speaking to people on the phone, they'll be like, you take really long deep breaths. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, I notice that sometimes if I'm just in a relaxed state, I'll just, mm. and it just feels a nice little break in my day just to do that. Yeah. But, yeah. Absolutely. Like a drop down, connect into the nervous system. So let's talk about the changes. You know, uh, when I look back in my own life from when I first started practicing the me without yoga versus me now, I can see a big change. Can you also see a big change? Yes. What are some of the things that have changed for you? I would say mobility. I would say just overall like movement. A lot of the times we, as we grow older, our bodies change in different ways. Things become more limiting, um, sitting in a car in traffic all day, or sometimes you take we think certain things for granted. And I've noticed before yoga, I was able to like reach certain things. <laughs> As somebody this tall, you would think I'd be able to reach everything, but sometimes even just bending down to pick up something would have felt odd to me. And now I, I feel a correction. I'm more aware of like how my back is bent picking up something. And I think as I, as I get older, that's one thing that I've heard talking to people, like elderly people, that um, we take for granted. Sometimes we pick up stuff the wrong way and we can hurt our back. Sometimes we bend down or kneel in a chair and we can't get up. And it made me more aware of like my posture as mm -hmm. a big thing. Oh, absolutely. How about any sort of changes or transformations in terms of life, emotion, mind? I think I'm definitely a happier person, especially from doing it. I'm more at peace and more self-reflective. Mm -hmm. It gives me, like whether I'm taking an hour class, hour like and a half, it just gives me that time to really see a challenge over like from a class, whether it be a bunch of jump throughs or whatever <laughs> it may be, see that, say, hey, what can I do today? How can I improve? What am I able to do? Finish it, then zone in saying like, how do I feel? 
Am I breathing properly? How do I feel? Do I feel happy in this afternoon in the class? A lot of the times I've had teachers recommend and say, like, um, if you could take one thing into this class, what is it? Like, whether it's acknowledging how your day was, troubles, anything that you may like happen, and take that within you, zone into that, and see how you feel reflectively after the class. And I've learned a lot from that. So I'll come into a class with maybe a burden or a stress and then see that maybe it wasn't that big of a deal after all. Mm-hmm. And, that's a big life change. Release, yeah. yeah, that makes a big difference. And I totally agree with you. I mean, that's what keeps me coming back to the mat over and over again. Mm-hmm. So yoga can be intimidating, right? Like you see these beautiful images, you know, of what looks like yoga gods and goddesses out there. And here we are, real people in real bodies. Were you intimidated from your first yoga class? Of course. Do you still feel intimidated? <laughs> Every day. Yeah. yeah. What do you recommend for people that feel intimidated and what do you do to get over that intimidation? I think just going up to that person, talking to them, simply just doing what we're doing right now. I notice a lot that you can just ask somebody like, hey, what was your journey like? And then they'll tell you like gladly, like, hey, thank you for being interested. And they'll say like, I've been doing it for two years, for 10 years, 20 years, whatever it may be. And you get to acknowledge like, hey, I noticed that when I do this pose, I, I don't feel as elegant or flowing as I noticed <laughs> that you may be doing. And they'll be like, I was the same way when I was at <laughs> your level when you were doing it. And I still have my own challenges. And this is how I kind of overcome it. And then you tend to realize like, hey, they're just like me. They have the, some of the same problems. Yeah. And like, you, then you start to realize, hey, I don't need to worry about what everybody else is doing around me. Focus on myself and really zone in and say, hey, get better by yourself. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. This is not a competition or a race. You'll achieve your levels if you can stay consistent at your time, at your pace. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I think it's so important. You feel there's a huge intimidation factor when it comes to the practice. So to humanize it and look at the human connection is really, really useful. Mm-hmm. Some people may be so intimidated that they never even go to class. So w- what do you think about that? What can people who are brand new to yoga, who may be inspired slash intimidated and feel like, oh, I don't fit the mold. You know, it seems sometimes like there's one mold of what yoga looks like in the world and kind of mainstream popular culture. And if you're someone that's not fitting that mold, I, didn't, I never felt like I fit in that mold. You know, I felt like I'm too small, my thighs are too thick and my arms are too short. And yeah. I felt like I'm never gonna fit the mold. And I don't know if you ever felt like that, but I feel like there's so many people in the world out there feel like they just don't fit the mold. What about, what can you say to them that can help them be inspired just to take that first step and hey, yoga might be for me too? I think this is a great question because even for me, like I felt like maybe I was too big for yoga, maybe my size and like weight or whatever it may be, or maybe my body's too beat up to even do all of what seems like contortionist level work. Mm-hmm. But I think the yoga community is very open and it's very inviting. I think if you don't have like the opportunity to go to a studio, there are online opportunities that you could see videos or like have like things that could teach you that way, that format. But if you have like a studio or like, usually they're very inviting and they are willing to like understand your needs and can address it in the best way they can. Like this is a helpful back and forth, like try to break down and overcome that. Like uh, I would recommend that wall or that like, hey, maybe they won't like me. Maybe I'm not ready for this and saying, no, you are. Just take that little step forward and they'll gladly guide you. They'll take your hand. And they did, that's what they did for me. And they said, hey, come on. I can show you help you. Oh, I love that. It's so important to find good teachers. Yeah. And I also find it so important to find 
students and so, that are similar to your journey that you can relate with. And this is why I'm so excited to have you as part of the Get Your Yoga On Yoga Challenge project, because I know there are people out there that maybe feel like my body's too big. I don't fit into this. Just like people tell me sometimes, I feel like you know, my thighs are too thick, my arms are too short, I'm too small to do the practice, <laughs> yeah. right? So here we are. And I always thought I want to be bigger. And you're like, I should be smaller. Exactly. <laughs> and then what it is really that I've experienced is that it's about finding the place to make it work for your body. And that's so important, yeah. right? Now, you've been practicing for two or three years, but you shared with me that there have been times that you fell off the yoga path for a little bit. Would you share a little bit with me about that? Yeah, certain things would come up in my life, whether it be like personal things. I live in Florida and sometimes hurricanes happen and sometimes mm -hmm. you can't go to your studio Sometimes the internet's done, so you can't even practice videos online. Like things can happen, life happens. Maybe you like get into a relationship, family issues can come up, whatever it may be. Even maybe slight little injuries and hiccups. But I've taken time off. But yoga isn't something that you can say like, "Hey, I did it for six months," as I personally did, nonstop, almost five days a week, and then an injury or something. Or maybe just like, let me take a couple of days off. You can do that but then try to get back into it. Like, don't say, well, oh, I'm not gonna be as good as I was doing like a couple of days ago or so on and so forth. Like, it's a constant challenge and evolution. It's a journey. That's what my teachers always instilled to me. It's a journey. It's not about the, the end progress. It's the best, like the destination. It's you are going on this path and you're gonna make the most out of it each time you step on the mat and say, I get off the mat. Like, that's what yoga is. When you're going on the mat, you kind of understand the process and then you take it away from you when you go home interact with everybody else in your daily life. And that's the biggest thing, because there's a lot of things that can stop you, but if you make the dedication to get on the mat, you're gonna get so much off it when you get off of it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. What kinds of thoughts were going through your mind when you know a big hurricane hits and all the roads are closed, the yoga studios aren't open and the internet's down? And then what's going through your mind when you're there and you're like, okay, I'm gonna get back to class. So many students out there in the world experience the same thing. So what's going through your mind? When I'm in the hurricanes and stuff like that, I'm trying to like zone in and kind of be more relaxing at peace because it can be a hectic time. You're with family, yes. you're with pets, and you're trying to like survive a natural <laughs> disaster. Yes. And uh, I think that's one thing that if I didn't have yoga, maybe I would be more of in a panicky mind state. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think I've learned to be more at peace at a certain level, which even, I'm still learning. Even off the mat when you can't get to class. Exactly. That's awesome. So there's stuff that I, I definitely take off of the mat that I'm just, I use in my everyday life. And then sometimes when everything is back to normal, I guess status quo, saying like, oh, my body, I haven't done it for two weeks or so. I don't know if I'll be able to like compete, like do the same routines at the same level that I was a couple days ago or whatever. And then you go on to it, you feel nervous. I still get jitters every day I start the class. Really? Yeah. What kind of jitters? Like... Not butterfly feelings, but it's like, I hope I do well <laughs> as mm -hmm. I'm doing like my chants or something like that. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to make sure that like, I, I know that something's going to come into this class that's going to shock me a little bit, or I'm going to notice something about my body that, hey, maybe like my legs were, my muscles weren't ready, or maybe I didn't breathe enough when I was hurting certain poses, because sometimes you're in twists or you're in binds and you notice like, hey, I need to deep breathe, or I need to breathe through my nose, or there's certain things like that. And it makes me super aware of that. Mm -hmm. And and so you think about that before class. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then after class. I don't think about it. 
I, I just did it and I realized, hey, okay, I could have improved that, but it's like, oh, I, I did it. Like, a lot of the worries I think people come in, like, even just stepping on the mat's the hugest test. Like, uh-huh. just being here is an achievement in itself. And when you, when you think about it, a lot of people can get nervous, but I wouldn't say, don't let that stop you. Because mm-hmm. even I notice the fact to anybody else, they still get the same jitters just like me. Don't be nervous or even if like, acknowledge your nervousness and just say, hey, I'm still going to be here. I'm not alone. Usually I'm with a group of people and they all are on the same journey with me and they're trying to help me get to the same path. So Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'd like to share that when I go practice with my teacher, I also feel nervous. I have that same feeling of like, wow, I hope I do well, you know, and I've been practicing for a long time and I I have this idea. I I hope I still do as good as I was last time. And I hope, you know, my teacher's not mad at me. And so I still feel that too. And I think that's a really human part of the student's journey. It's this earnest desire to want to do well for yourself and then for the group. And of course, also for your relationship with your teacher. And it's not a competition, but it's just this feeling of like, hey, I want to show up. Yeah. And then, and then, as you said, what a great, what a great way to to experience that. It actually doesn't matter how well you did in the posture. You get up each time that you practice with a little more peace, a little more happiness. Yeah, yeah. The, I would say, especially the teacher and student dynamic is a great thing for me. A lot of the times in other sports, sometimes you have a, a relationship or a rapport, but like. It's, I don't think it's as intimate as sometimes I've had with some of the teachers that I've had in yoga where they really care about you. They understand like your lifestyle. They say, hey, how was your day? And then mm. even on the mat, like through like body language, they'll help you through postures, making sure like they understand like, hey, is your back okay? Are you feeling, I've noticed you're trembling, like certain things about that, they'll help you with it. And it's just like that. So over time, you kind of get this relationship where you're like, hey, at first, my downward dogs were so stiff or weren't as fluid. And then three months down the line, six months or a couple of years down the line, like you really want to show them in a way of like thankfulness, like, hey, I did this because of you instructing me and helping me get to this level. And I appreciate you guys for doing this for us. That's a beautiful description of the positive aspects of the teacher-student relationship. I really love that. So now I'm going to ask you a hard question. Are you ready? Okay. 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 If you had to define... To someone who doesn't know at all, what is yoga? How would you define yoga? Huh. I get that question almost every day. <laughs> really? Yeah. Who's asking you this question every day? <laughs> Either a lot of Uber or Lyft drivers. <laughs> so you are an ambassador for yoga to the Uber Lyft drivers of Miami. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. So what's your answer? Usually I ask them, what do they think yoga is first? Mm-hmm. And so what kind of answers have you gotten there? It varies a lot of different degrees. <laughs> Some would say, so you just sit there and breathe? <laughs> Do you just, like, is it meditation? And I'm like, there's aspects of it, sure. And I try to, like, like kind of bring them in of what they think it is and then what they might, like, kind of want out of a, out of a class. Whether it's, like, ask them, what is the, do you go to the gym for? And they say, oh, I like to get either muscles or get in shape or something like that. Or, oh, I, ha- I don't go work out as much because I have injuries or back pains. And I'm like, okay, that's great. Some people say I have stressed lives. I don't have all these problems. And I say yoga can help with all of those things mm-hmm. in every different way. There's a lot of versatility to it. So that's why I think it's if you have a spiritual thing that you want to work on, physical, mental, whatever it may be, like health-wise, I think yoga can alleviate and help you in all those things or at least get you to a point that you can start looking for a better answer, a better like resolve. And that's what I, in, in general, I would think yoga is for me. It's a level of resolve. You understand, hey, I have this issue that I want to work on. 
And I'm going to try to exercise that throughout in the mat, whether it's some type of inner peace, some type of like meditation, physical mm-hmm. thing that you want to train yourself for, achieve. You can do that here on the mat. I love that. That's very much what it is for me too, a space to show up and be present to whatever arises, you know, and that there is acknowledging that there are going to be things that arise, developing the strength and the resolution to face those things. Yeah. Awesome. So I also said that you could ask me some questions. Do you remember the questions? Yes, I do. (laughs) I notice, or I know about you that you're pretty international. Mm -hmm. You work with a lot of people from different cultures and backgrounds what are some of like the challenges that you've faced dealing with people like in various different parts of the world? So the first thing about traveling the world is I feel super blessed to be invited to different countries all over the world to teach yoga. Mm-hmm. And I'm so, so grateful about that. The second thing is that yoga, I've noticed, is a language in and of itself. It's a language of the body. And this allows me to connect with people regardless of what culture, what you know, ethnicity, what religion, what gender this person is, simply by us communicating in the language of yoga. So for example, downward dog is like a language. I can look at someone's body and communicate body to body and communicate non-verbally. This relationship between how the hip joint is, this relationship between breath and body that is transcendent uh, of any sort of physical you know, linguistic kind of limitations. And I really, really love that. So I feel this is this universal language of the body. And particularly when I'm teaching a traditional Mysore style class where there isn't so much verbal instruction, the student is doing their own practice and I'm communicating primarily with touch, Mm -hmm. then this is a space where I feel like I can really connect beyond culture. And I love that. When I do teach in places that don't speak English, I end up using a translator. And that is challenging because if you've ever been to a class of mine, I speak a lot and I speak in kind of long, fluid sentences that sometimes have commas and hyphens and interesting punctuations that seem to go on like I'm speaking right now. And that's really challenging when I'm speaking in with the translator. But what I love about that is it's really helped me think about condensing what it is I want to say to the most pithy, short statement possible to be as effective as possible. And so that's been a wonderful challenge. And then culturally, I feel like it has helped me get educated about some very particular things about different cultures. So it's always interesting for me to see how people of different cultures and classes of different cultures respond to challenge right? Because my classes can be challenging sometimes, you know? I mean, just even like plank pose. I love plank posture. And on almost every class of mine, you can probably testify to this, there's a plank pose, you know? I'm like, this is a relaxing class. And I'm like, let's just do plank for fun in the middle of a relaxing class. (laughs) So what I noticed is how people respond to difficulty. So we're holding plank pose for a while. There are some cultures that immediately start making noise. In some, some places you're holding plank, people are starting to go, you know, making little noises, saying like, are we done yet? Like talking back to you. The United States of America is a culture that people talk back to you a lot. They're right. like, are we done yet? You know, and then they're giving feedback. And then other cultures, for example, will not talk back at all. They'll just silently kind of endure. And, and this is it's very, very, very interesting to see, you know, even people to people, it's different. So we, you know, of course, 
culturally, we can't make broad generalizations about people of different cultures, but it's interesting to see just general tendencies. You know, there's, there's um, one instance that kind of comes to mind is when I was teaching in Poland many years ago, the Polish students would work so hard and so stoically in the posture. So when they were holding plank, they would hold just with all their hearts and all their work so hard. The moment it was over, they all left and oh, it was so difficult. Like all this emotion just came like bubbling out. Right. And so that I found was, was, I was really, really touched by that. And something similar happened when I was recently teaching in China. When I was teaching in Beijing, students would work really hard and they were, at, and then when it was over, they were so honest and humble about all of the places where they felt they didn't do well. So they were excellent students. And then when we finished, they would all say, I felt they didn't do well, really well. They wanted to do better. And I was just so touched by that. It's just really interesting to see different cultures. People always ask me, what's your favorite place to teach? And I'm like, I don't have a favorite place to teach. I really genuinely love everywhere that I am because I think my job as a teacher is to tune into that student, be in that place, as you mentioned, of timeless presence and a space where I'm being truly present with who I'm seeing. And then I'm in love in that moment. Yeah. So I feel like I don't really have a favorite place to teach, but I probably have favorite places to be, mm-hmm. which I got to say is warm and by the beach. I mean, we're in Miami, of course, right? Yeah. All right. So was there another question? I do. Because as you mentioned before about like, if somebody's kind of new to yoga or has like an in- like a interest, how would they like get into it type of thing? And I guess from there, it made me remind myself like, hey, when you're like alone or trying to do yoga, maybe at home or somewhere that you can't go to a yoga studio, the biggest thing here in that I have learned is like correction, not in the sense of like you're doing something wrong, but just so that way you don't hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. How, what's the best way to kind of like realize or recognize that at home if you're like doing a t- tutorial from online or something like that? What's, what would you recommend? That's a really good question. There are so many home practitioners and so many people who start yoga online. So if you want to start yoga and you're maybe too intimidated to go to class, the easiest thing to do is to find a video online, start with something basic and begin building up the basics. I meet so many people all over the world that start yoga like that. I recommend people start like that. It's less, again, it's less intimidating. You know, you can get a monthly membership to an online channel for less than the cost of a yoga class. Or you can even find free videos on YouTube. So it's online is a great resource to begin and even support your continuing yoga journey. Now, when you're practicing alone, the disadvantage is that you don't have a teacher that says, oh, you need to internally rotate your hip joint, you know, relax your shoulder, your shoulder needs to externally rotate, something like that. So one of the things that I try in all of my online classes is to give people ways to self-adjust. I'm primarily a home practitioner. So I would spend maybe a month, maybe six months if I was lucky with my teachers in India, then I'd come back and practice by myself. Most often not in a class because I was teaching the class. Maybe I'd practice with other teachers, but it wasn't like there was another set of eyes watching me. So I'd be practicing either in my home, maybe with a group of friends or colleagues. And when I teach online videos, I try to encourage people to initiate practice and movement from a space of self-awareness. And so this involves slowing down and breaking the postures and the movements down into digestible bits. So take the posture of Trikonasana, rather than just saying like, okay, go down and hold your toe. It's like, wait a minute, we wanna externally rotate the hip joint. So I'll guide people in 
isolating the movements into small, again, small digestible bits. Okay, mm-hmm. here we are, feet are hip, feet are, you know, stepped wide apart, then find the hip joint. Then take, I like also taking hands to the body. So instead of just saying externally rotate the hip joint, actually touch your thigh. So then mm-hmm. you can facilitate the movement and then you feel. And what you feel is leading you in the right direction. Because if you're feeling the hip joint, you're not pushing it too hard, yeah. you know? And then you're not gonna injure the knee because you're conscious of how the body's moving. So slowing it down, taking it step by step, and then focusing on the feeling rather than kind of the end results. I think it's super, super important. Then there's some like practical things that you can do, which is you can record yourself, you know, like make a video of yourself and take a look at that. This can be really, really uh, pleasant or really, really unpleasant. Like sometimes we think like, wow, I'm doing so awesome. Then we video ourselves and we're like, oh yeah, it's the same. But it's the feeling changes or you can be pleasantly surprised or just some simple things. Oh, look, my neck is in a weird position. Let me fix that. I rarely practice in front of a mirror, but sometimes when I'm traveling, I will end up looking in a mirror once in a while to take a look in the mirror at how you do a posture can be useful. Just again, to self-correct. Oh, look what I'm doing with my hip. People often think their feet are aligned when the feet aren't actually aligned. And so this is a big thing. Um, Self-practice with a mat, with a line that you draw down the center of it can be really helpful just as kind of, you know, a a way to check yourself on a day-to-day basis without needing mirrors or, or video recordings or things like that. But big picture... The emphasis that I take in my own practice when I teach online videos, when I teach in general, in person as well, is that it's a journey of feeling. And as long as you're feeling, then the body is usually safe. But what happens is when we think about, I got to do the pose, then feeling goes down. So we often disconnect with feeling because we want to bind our hands. You're no longer feeling the shoulder. You're like trying to bind your hands. You're no longer feeling the hip joint because you're trying to do lotus position. So if you're feeling the joint and that's your intention, you're feeling the body and that's your intention, then I feel we're safe and you end up with better alignment. And then the kind of Zen riddle of it all is that the body opens and you get the result of the pose much faster than if you're just forcing it. Right. Yeah. Cool. Well, Sky, thanks so much for joining. I really appreciate it. I hope that everybody who shares practice with us gets inspired. And I hope that everybody listening is super inspired to practice. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining, everyone. Remember, if you have an inspiring student story, I want to hear from you. So info at kinoyoga.com. And if you want to practice with us online, you can find these videos on omstars.com. Again, thanks so much for joining, everyone. Hey there, it's Kino here. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to my podcast. Your support and your time and your attention really mean a lot to me. If you're enjoying this podcast series, you can find the full-length videos on my online channel, OMSTARS, and that's at www.omstars.com. You can redeem a 14-day free trial and get access to our full library of over 3,000 classes and also practice yoga with me online. I'd also love to see you in class sometime. So you can find my full live in-person teaching schedule on my website, which is kinoyoga.com. And if you haven't checked out my books, I'd absolutely be honored if you'd check those out. You can find those available at any online bookseller. The Yoga Inspiration Podcast is designed to keep you inspired to get on the mat. And I hope you're leaving each episode with a little glimmer and spark of the spirit 
which is the true heart of the yoga method. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. May you be happy. May you be peaceful. May you be filled with love. Namaste.